Book 10, Part 1, Chapter 2 of A Class Book of Old Testament History by G. F. McClear. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cliff Stone of Sydney, Australia. A Class Book of Old Testament History by G. F. McClear. Book 10, Part 1, Chapter 2. Rehoboam and Abijah, Jeroboam and Nadab. 1 Kings 13-15, to 2 Chronicles 11-13, to B.C. 975-955. to This warning, however, though confirmed by signs and wonders, had little or no effect on Jeroboam himself. He persisted in his evil courses, and his dynasty was destined to pass away, a fact before long revealed to him, under very mournful circumstances. His son Abijah fell sick. In his anxiety to know the fate of the hope of his kingdom, Jeroboam bade his wife disguise herself and repair to Shiloh, and there consult the now blind and aged prophet who had foretold his own elevation to the throne. Though she was effectually disguised and presented only the gift of an ordinary person, a few loaves, some cakes, and a cruise of honey, the prophet detected his visitor as soon as he heard the sound of her feet at the door, and confirmed her worst fears. In words of utmost sternness, he denounced her husband's idolatries, and distinctly told her that her son would die. He indeed, as one in whom was found some good things toward the Lord God of Israel, would descend into the grave mourned and lamented by the whole people but no other of his family would thus receive an honourable funeral, and his death would be but the prelude of the destruction of his father's dynasty. With a heavy heart the mother returned, and as she entered the town of Terzah, Abijah sickened, and the blind prophet's words came true. 1 Kings 14, verses 1 to 18. Meanwhile, the relations between the rival kingdoms had been marked by continued hostility. 1 Kings 14 verse 30, 2 Chronicles 12 verse 15. The first step taken by Rehoboam when the disruption of the kingdom was complete was to fortify 15 cities in the neighbourhood of his capital and in the southern and southwestern portions of Judah. 2 Chronicles 11, 5 through 12. All these he stored with provisions and arms and placed over them commandants. During the first three years of his reign he walked in the ways of the Lord and was strengthened in upholding the principles of true religion by numerous bodies of priests and Levites, who flocked into the territory of Judah from that of Jeroboam, as also by many of the tribes of Israel, who still remained faithful to the Lord God of their fathers. 2 Chronicles 11, 13-17 But soon, like Solomon before him, he too was found wanting. Surrounding himself with a numerous harem, He took 18 wives and 60 concubines, by whom he became the father of numerous sons and daughters. Reserving the throne for Abijah, the son of Maacah, daughter of Absalom, he dispersed the rest of the royal princes among his fortified cities, and in the splendour of his court and the security of his now established throne, forgat the law of the Lord, 2 Chronicles 12 and verse 1, and set an evil example to his subjects who speedily began to build high places and set up images and groves on every high hill and under every green tree. 
1 Kings 14, verses 22 to 24. Five years, however, after his accession, his peace was rudely disturbed. Shishak, the Egyptian king, instigated probably by Jeroboam, whom, as we have already seen, he had befriended in exile, advanced against Judah with 1,200 chariots and 60,000 cavalry and an enormous host of Libyans, Nubians and Ethiopians. Having made himself master of Rehoboam's fenced cities, he penetrated as far as his capital and forced him to purchase an ignominious peace by delivering up the treasure of the royal palace and the temple, even to the shields of gold which Solomon had made for the purpose of being born before him whenever he visited the temple in state. 1 Kings 10 verses 16 and 17 More than this, the Egyptian monarch did not attempt, as Shemaiah the prophet had promised would be the case if the king and his people displayed signs of real contrition for their idolatries. After this deep humiliation, the moral condition of Judah seems to have improved, and the rest of Rehoboam's reign is not marked by any remarkable event. He died, B.C. 957, at the age of 58, after a reign of 17 years, and was succeeded by his son Abijah. The new king continued the war with Jeroboam and made a determined effort to recover the ten tribes. At Mount Zemaraim in the range of Ephraim, he confronted with 400,000 troops twice that number of the enemy, and previously to the battle, endeavoured by a solemn address to win over the subjects of his rival to their former allegiance. He reminded them of the divine election of David to the throne of the entire nation and the emphatic manner in which the monarchy had been covenanted to him. He recounted the circumstances under which Jeroboam had usurped the regal power and contrasted the idolatrous worship he had established with the time-honoured ritual of the temple and its divinely ordained priests. While he thus sought to awaken the loyalty of the tribes, his rival had posted an ambuscade behind the men of Judah who found themselves entrapped. But, nothing daunted, they cried unto the Lord, and while the priests sounded with the silver trumpets, raised a shout and fell upon the foe. The forces of Jeroboam were utterly routed, and Abijah succeeded in capturing the towns of Bethel, Jeshanah and Ephraim with the surrounding villages. From this signal defeat, the king of Israel never recovered strength again, 2 Chronicles 13 verse 20, and soon after died, bequeathing his throne to his son Nadab, while his rival Abijah, after a brief reign of three years, also died, and was succeeded by his son Asa, B.C. 954. End of Book 10, Part 1, Chapter 2, recorded by Cliff Stone of Sydney, Australia.